Right, good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you for the privilege to come and share with you the Word of God that you put on my heart this morning. Uh, you know, it's been a long time since I've been preaching, so I'm a bit, I'm a bit uh, nervous and a bit unsure sometimes. But I trust God uh, will share what's on my heart with you this morning. And this morning's message is actually, I call it, Remember the Times of the Right Hand of God. Uh, that is the theme of my message. Actually, what I want to do this morning is try and encourage you all. And through this, I'm going to encourage myself. Because uh, as I meditate on this, as I was thinking, what shall I preach? Is there anything I can give you and I can share with you? Um, you know, we went through a lot of things and I thought, look, what have I got to share at this stage in my life? So I started meditating on the word and... Uh, and started thinking about it, and when I get to the message, you see, and I was thinking back on our lives and what the Lord has done for us, and I thought, did God really do something? What did He do? And then I started meditating on this. I, one night I was told, two o'clock, I couldn't sleep. My mind was rushing and running, and I'm thinking of all the things God has done. And you know, as we go along in life, we don't even realize what God put inside of us. What has He done in us? What great things He's done for us? And as Nick has shared here, actually, this morning, that's what it's all about this morning, but what God has done in our hearts and how great God is. And uh, so it's more of a testimony this morning that I want to share with you also and to encourage you. And I'm going to highlight a few things in our life that I feel that's so important in your walk with God. It's a lot of things, but it's just a few things I want to highlight. And I just want to tell you a story, like a joke this morning, uh, to illustrate something you know, there was this young pastor, uh, he went to China to bring the gospel, and uh, he was very excited, very young, inexperienced, he came there, he wanted to start a church, got people together, and one day they, well, there was a call, he must go to hospital, there's a person that's very sick, and he must pray for it, he thought, yes, my opportunity, I gotta, God's got to use me, he went to hospital, and the man was lying there with lots of pipes and stuff in him. And he stood there and he started praying for this man. And as he was praying, this man was mumbling something in Chinese, saying, Ashi Asha. But he keeps on praying. And later the man says again, Ashi Asha. And he keeps on praying. And finally there was a faint voice of this Chinese man, Ashi Asha. And he passed away. The man was so upset. Why didn't God use him? And he went out, asked the nurse, what did this man say? And he asked her what the words mean. She said, it actually means, get out, you're, you're stepping on my oxygen pipe. And, uh, <laughs> so, so what am I saying? <laughs> I'm saying you need wisdom in your life. I'm saying we were inexperienced. I've made many mistakes. I'm still making mistakes. So we need wisdom in our walk with God, we can be on fire for God. We can do great things for Him, but we didn't do it in ignorance and not in wisdom. And I believe this is the generation where God is putting the Joshua's and the Caleb's together. I believe this is the time where we need the experience and the patience of the older generation and the vigor and the excitement and the passion and the strength of the younger generation working together. It's time that we get together and do the things for God. And I quickly realized in my life there's a process that God takes us through in our lives. I wanted everything immediately. 
I just want everything I saw people doing, I want to do it immediately. I couldn't understand why it didn't happen. And then I realized God's more interested in your character as in your ministry or your calling or what you're to do for God finally. The preparation time is much longer than the real ministry time. Jesus took 30 years for th only three years of ministry. So get encouraged, no matter what. God is busy in the process. There's 10 M's they use in ministry. I'm not going to go into that now. This is just for free. Uh, <laughs> the first thing God look at, for instance, is your manhood. God makes a man before he makes a ministry. Second one is your ministry. Do you take offense in ministry? Is there fruits in your life? Then he looks at your maturity. What is your character like? And that's so important. Also your methods. Do you manipulate people? Do you, are you deceptive in what you're doing? And another thing is manners. Are you, are you unselfish or are you selfish? Are you polite? Are you discreet in what you're doing? Then there's morality. Are you pure, virtuous before God for people? And then your motives, I think, is one of the most important things in your life, is motives. Why do you serve God? Is it for your own gain? Is it for pride? Is it for lustful after some power? Or what is the reason you serve God? What is the motive in your heart today? So, there's all these things. I've got many examples. But uh, what I love about the Psalms is that David was a man like us, and I couldn't, can associate with him, because you can read how he went through battles and troubles and depressed and distressed, but he always loved God. His attention always went back to God, who God is. And I wanted to, this morning, focus on who this great God is that we serve. As we sang the song, we could, the mountains move, because our God is great and awesome. Although what we went through, there is things we can look back at. And I want to read you Psalm 77 and to, to speak about remembering the times of the right hand and of his power. How great is our God. So let's, I'm just going to read Psalm 77 for you here. David says here, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. He says he answers me. God, David knew God, although he don't feel it, he don't see him sometimes, he answers. And in the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart and my spirit make diligent search. He's saying here yeah, he is so troubled and so down. He can't sometimes, I know we went through this. There's times you don't even know what to say. You don't even know what to ask anymore. You can't speak. You can't sleep. It is troubling your situation. And then he thinks back on the days, ancient days when it went so well. Things just run smoothly, but it's like something is going wrong in his life now. Then he says, will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has his anger shut up his tender mercies? And I said, this is my anguish. Have you ever been in a place where you ask God, Lord, 
Have I done something wrong? You feel if there's a problem in your life. Why doesn't God answer my prayers? Why is I in this trouble? Why is things not coming together for me? And you feel, put it on yourself later. And you feel it's me. Maybe I'm the reason. Maybe I don't obey God. Maybe I've done something wrong. And you feel like this. And David got to that point. And I know we went through troubles. We still go through troubles. And sometimes I feel like that. Lord, what? He's going on, what am I doing wrong? But then David says the following words. Then he says, But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your works and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. He says, actually, in the place of his presence, there I learn about your ways. So David is here reflecting back, and you'll read the rest of the psalm of the miracles and the wonders God has done in the past. And he's looking at his own life and the life of the previous people, and he realized, but this is an awesome, great, mighty God. He's done it for them. And if you can look back in your life and see what God has done for you, you know he's done it, he can do it again, and he will do it again for me. He later says he make a way in the sea, and you don't, the, the message or the TPT, the Passion Translation says is actually wonderful. It says, your steps form a highway through the seas with footprints on a pathway no one even knew was there. Sometimes God works in your life, you don't even know he's there but he's busy working, he's doing something in our lives. So I just want to go today, and I was meditating on what did God do for us, for instance, in our lives? What has God done for you? Do we have a testimony of miracles, of things that God has done for us? Have you stepped out, done something for God by faith, and see him move for you? I was thinking, uh, for instance, if I would, if you get to, we get to heaven one day, and here you came and you walk around, he's this great man of God, and uh, here you met Elijah, and he's coming, says, Hi, hello, I'm Elijah, who are you? He said, no, I'm Nick, or I'm Sharnay or Marty. He said, oh, I'm Elijah, let me tell you what God did for me. I prayed fire down from heaven, I healed the dead, I had ravens feeding me, I believed God, I do great these things for God. What have you done? And then you get to Daniel. You get to Elijah. And they tell you all the miracles and the wonderful things they've done for God and how they had their faith and kept their faith and be strong for the Lord. And then they ask you, what has God done for you? Maybe you say, well, you know, one day I was driving my car. I was looking for a parking. I couldn't find one. I prayed that there was a parking. <laughs> so I trust that you have a testimony one day. And believe God for great things. <laughs> Don't be ashamed. But I also want to encourage you today. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says a fully wonderful scripture. It speaks about, Don't uh, judge before time. For he will bring all that is hidden in darkness to light and unveil every secret motive of everyone's heart. Then, when the whole truth is known, each will receive praise from God. Will people rejoice when you get to heaven and people receiving their rewards? Our day in heaven, when we get to the throne, or they call it the Bema throne of God, is a throne of rewards. 
God's going to reward you even for the intents in your heart, things you secretly, you don't even know you did. And I want to tell you, don't be discouraged. Every small thing you do for God with the right motive, you're going to receive a reward one day. And I want to tell you the importance here of what you do for your children. You can be a good mother. That's God's going to reward you for just being a good mother, being a good grandmother. What you've put into children's lives is so important in your life. Um, you, Sharon, Merle, you work with children, grandchildren. You know that input can have eternal value in the lives of children and change their lives forever. God's going to reward you. That's just for that little thing that you did for him. So don't try to do big things always. Depends what God calls you to do. Just obey him. There's a crown of glory, this crown of righteousness people can receive. Uh, there's a crown of life that there's people gonna, God's going to crown you in heaven for all you've done for him with the right motives. So let's have the right motives in whatever we do. Uh, then, so the first thing I say, I'm going to highlight eight things. I'm not going to be elaborate because I can go on each one for a long time. But the first one then for is meditate on what has gone done for you in the past. You know, how big is your God? How big do you think is God? It is sad, but it's in my own life, your life. We act according to our faith and how we believe how big God is. So what do you believe God for? What do you believe how big God is? What he can do through you? It's like when you know, have you ever driven to Cape Town? When you're far off, you see the Table Mountain. It's, it's small, it's just like this. And the closer you get, the bigger the mountain becomes. And the moment you are in Cape Town, it's a massive mountain. Same way with your relationship with the Lord. The more time I spent with God, the more time you're in His presence, the more time you meditate on Him, you see, sure, but look how big God really is. He's an awesome, mighty God that can do great miracles. And then your perceptive changes of what God is like. So let me just quickly mention a few things that I thought God has done for us, for instance. The first thing is God saved me. I was lost. I was uh, in a, away from God. Uh, but this is again what I say, the importance of a grandmother and of people in your life previously. I was in church, but I never really was saved. And I remember the day I got saved, I was in my room and I cried out to God. I said, Lord, I can't take it anymore. I give everything to you. I remember how God fooled me. I just felt my hand shot up in the air. One thing I've never done. And I just cried out, praise the Lord. And I know I was saved. And then the, uh, next week, the most amazing thing is I was in my office at work. I got the sorrow over me. I can't describe. I was crying. I ran to the bathroom, sat there. I had a small Bible. And I, I remember the scripture came up from my youth. If we confess our sins, he's righteous and judged to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I remember, and I looked and looked until I found it, 1 John 1, 9. And then I remember, and I read 2 Corinthians 7, of godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And I realized that God brought the sorrow and the repentance in my heart for what I've done wrong. And it's all through previous parents. I remember my grandmother, she told me about the Lord. I had a wart on my finger and it was bleeding and it always was bleeding. 
and we couldn't get rid of it. And she said, let's pray over it. And we prayed as a little child, I prayed it, and it was gone. And then when I was four or five years old, my mother told me uh, there was a teacher at school sick. And they said they want to go and see uh, what, is, what is going on with him because he's so very sick. And then I said to her, Mom, I was four years old. He's healed. We prayed. He is healed. I just had a childlike faith because of my grandmother putting that faith into my heart. It's like uh, Paul says to Timothy. The faith that was your grandmother, Eloise, also in your mother, Eunice, is in you. Uh, so that's so important. Okay, so we had that. God set us free. He set me free from smoking, rejection, fear, from a lot of things in my life. God provided for us in every circumstance. He provided for us. We was never without food through all that we went through. He answered our prayers. I know he gave us cars that we prayed for, houses that we prayed for. He gave a husband to my daughter. He gave a, a, a wife to my son that we prayed for. He gave us work sometimes. He changed our situations around and he answered our prayers. Salvations of family members. As I can look back, see how God saved them and answered our prayers. Then God is the God who did miracles in our lives. Uh, and if I look back, you can't believe the miracles that God did. I know the greatest miracle to me, I'll never forget, it was one day I was in church, I was a young Christian, we were praying in a tent, and as I was praying, I heard a voice called me, and he said my name, he said, Anton. I looked up, and there's no one, I kept on praying, and again I heard, Anton, I looked around, and I thought, maybe it's the Lord, I said, yes, Lord, he says, I, Anton, I'm calling you, I said, yeah, Lord, I can hear you calling me. I was a bit stupid at that stage. And then again, the last time God said, Anton, I love you. I'll never forget that. That's a miracle. God speaking to you in an audible voice. So I remember our children as miracles. We prayed for our children. God gave us the children that we prayed for. I remember my son, I think Marty told you, had a snake bite. God healed him of that adder that, that, that bit him. Healed him within two weeks. He ran in a race again. So uh, I remember one day in the house, we were there in the house the morning, we got up all our doors on the, what is it, Kusain, on the doorposts, the oil was dripping down. And our angels anointed our house supernaturally one day. So this is just a few miracles that God did for us. God healed us. He healed me of anxiety. I had terrible anxiety attacks. I had to run out of meetings. I couldn't stay. I felt like I was dying. God healed me of that. God healed me of diabetes. And I'll get back to that later also. So this is just a few things I mentioned quickly. I can go on and on. But if I look back, I see, but God has done it previously for me. What has he done for you? And you can look back and say, he will do it again for me. Okay, then the second one I want to share is stay in the Word of God. Read the Word every day. Keep on reading the Word. The entrance of His words brings light. He is the living Word. If you want to see God and His glory, it's in the Word. Everything needed for life is in the Word of God. You've got to love the Word because Jesus is the Word. And you have to read it daily and make a plan of reading the Word. Now I want to say something... Uh, God sees your tears, he says. He catches it up in a bottle. But I wonder what I learned is, it's not tears that really move God, although he hears it. It is faith that moves God. 
as Nicholas just said, yeah. It is faith. So I was many times down, and then the words came up of God, and I remember, and I, and I meditate on the word, and then faith rises up again as you meditate on God and what his word says and his word can do for you. Faith comes by hearing, you know, and hearing by the word of God. Remember the promises of God. Meditate on those promises and believe God because he, he is awesome. He can do it and he will do it again for you. Um, 2 Corinthians 20 says, Believe God and his prosper, uh, prophets and you will prosper. Believe it. And then finally I want to say, give voice to the give, give a voice to the word and the promises of God. You have to speak out God's word. You have to speak out God's promises. If I read in Psalm 1116, David said, I believe, therefore I spoke. I was greatly afflicted. Psalm 103.20, Bless the Lord, ye angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. The angels react to the voice of God, to his word. You have to speak those promises that God gave you. You have to speak it out, confess it. I believe the Bible says in John 10, uh, Hebrews 10, I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. That's the way you get saved. That's the way your life is changed. Uh, I learned uh, to speak the word. I, through these difficult times, I remember one day, I was so desperate. I said, Lord, what must I do? And I read Proverbs 18. And it says there, uh, let me just read it to you. It says, the positive words that a man speaks will fill his stomach. You will be satisfied with what his lips produce. And I started speaking out. And I, after that, I got a job. I got some work because I speak out. I was fed by the word of God. There's power in the tongue of life and death in your tongue, what you speak out. Then I want to give you a scripture that I think is so powerful, Luke 137. It says, For with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall be without power, or impossible of fulfillment. No word of God to you is impossible to be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. An amazing word that. Okay, so then another thing I learned is, Psalm 138 says, His word is magnified above his name. If you read that, Psalm 119. So many people use the name of the Lord. I want to pray for people, drive out demons, but they... Do not honor the word of God. You cannot live without the with, with not within the word, with what the word says, and try to use the name of Jesus. They go together. He is the word. His, his word is above his name exalted. You've got to have the, the integrity of the word of God in your life to really be an authority wherever you go. Okay, so that's enough, enough of that. Third one is pray always and worship God. Don't stop praying. Whatever your situation, keep on praying. Keep on seeking the Lord and worship Him. Praise Him. It's difficult sometimes to praise God in a difficult situation. It's difficult to worship Him. But make time to do that. One thing I learned, and I'm battling with this, when you go through this difficult time, the Bible says, uh, the joy is our strength of the Lord. And I want to tell you that joy is the thrust of your faith. Because without joy, there's no faith. 
How can you say you believe you don't see it yet? There's no joy. But the moment you see, oh, God will do it, I believe it, there's joy in your heart. Joy drives your faith. And when you have joy, you have the answers to that prayer. Then uh, regarding prayer, I want to say, remember in your life, there's different kinds of prayer. You must know which type of prayer to pray in which situation. Sometimes you intercede. Sometimes you do warfare. Sometimes, sometimes you just worship. Sometimes you just sit in His presence. And then one thing I want to share with you is uh, the, the unjust judge. God showed me that. Uh, That's one of the things He recently taught me about this story of Luke, I think it's Luke 18, of a woman that went and bothered that unjust judge until he avenges her. Of course, I said, she's tiring me. And then Jesus said, but Jesus, or oh God the Father, is not like that. He's a just judge. And will he not avenge you quickly if you cry out to him? But then he says, but will there be persistent faith on the earth when I come? What you're actually saying. And what I did is I went before God and I said, and I go to the courts of heaven. You can spiritually go and stand before the courts of heaven in, because God is a judge. Go read Psalms. There's a few Psalms mentioning God as a judge and that he judge righteously. So I went in the name of Jesus to him and God the Father. And, I, and you can go to him and say, Lord, I, you see me like Jesus. It is like Jesus standing before the Father. And Jesus is my advocate. The Holy Spirit's my advocate. And you put your case before God. Say, Lord, because of the blood of Jesus, I am your son. I'm righteous. I'm serving you and following you. Lord, this enemy is lying and is accusing me. I pray that you avenge me and that you give back to me what is stolen from me. Uh, I prayed that prayer. I break curses. And it was amazing. Two days later, we got an amount in our, in our account that will help us a bit. Uh, I couldn't believe it. So I believe God has started blessing us, uh, changing our situation, avenging us and vindicating us. Right, uh, sorry, the fourth one. Listen to his voice and obey him. You must listen to what God is saying and obey him. Now I've got a weakness that I must confess, and that is to, to procrastinate. And you must learn to immediately obey God when he talks to you and start act, acting. Sometimes you have to wait, but what I'm saying is, you know, it's easier to guide a stream than a stagnant pool. So just start moving in the direction that God is telling you to go, and God can direct your path. But that doesn't help to sit still and do nothing. No, I'm, I'm a bit slow, so <laughs> I had to learn that. So don't do that. Listen to him. And the moment, you know, the time, that what I want to say about the diabetes, let me put share it here with you. God told me seven times he gave me a scripture that he healed me and restored me of my wounds. And I thought there's a miracle coming now. I keep on praying. Nothing happens. No miracle. i praying. I keep on confessing it, signing on the word for a few years. Nothing happened. And then I realized God told me your body is the temple of God. You must, I don't just want to heal you with a miracle. I want to keep you in good health. And then God showed me how to change my diet, how to change my lifestyle, and to live a better life and to look after my body. That, after a while, with prayer, with communion, with uh, all these confessions, one day when I see I was, I was healed completely. So God used different methods. Listen, obey God as He tells you what to do in your situation. Right, the next thing is journal. 
I want to encourage you, if you don't journal, please journal whatever God tells you in your daily life. It did help me tremendously to go back and see what God has told me and what His promises are. Promises that I got years ago have kept me going and kept me alive. Mm. Those promises of God, those things, and I've journaled them. Because you're going to forget what God told you. You're going to forget. So journal is a good thing. It helps you your thoughts, help you to communicate with God and just speak to Him. The next one is stay connected. And then this uh, you must learn in your life. Stay connected to the body of Christ. Stay connected to people. I made the mistake of not having, keeping relationships that God put on my path and uh, some are broken and that it's wrong. So important to have a godly father in your life, a spiritual father, spiritual people that you're connected with. Don't break relationships. Keep People are important to God. Keep those relationships. It's the body that's look, that care for each other. It's the body that's important. Love people and have keep those connections with those people. Uh, I want you to have an uh, eternal, eternity-mindedness. Because everything we do here has got eternal imp impact. People is important. Relationships are important. S the body of Christ is important. And that's why I'm so on my heart that people should work together in the body of Christ. I'll share a bit of this just now, but stay connected where you are. That's where you should be. Uh, we should not be in competition in the body of Christ. Then another one, seven, live in forgiveness. Do not take up an offense. God is warning us all the time. Do not let offense get in your heart. It will lead to bitterness. Now, we went through a lot of things, and we had to learn to forgive and go on. I can just tell you, we went through disappointments. We went through hurt. We went through wrongfully accused. We were betrayed by our brothers. We were judged unfairly. We were overlooked. We were envious of. We were threatened. People were threatened by us. We were shamed. We were accused. We were unfairly treated. We were abandoned. We suffered and lost a lot. But through it all, God changed my character and I had to forgive and I had to forgive them and go on. I can forgive somebody, but he doesn't have to be my friend, but I can still forgive him. But, and I had to learn this, and God will restore you again if you can forgive in your life. You in ministry, you people know these people that offend you. All the time people will hurt you. God's going to, these things will happen in your life. Let me tell you that, and you must learn to forgive quickly and move on. You can't look in the rear mirror. You will make an accident all the time. You can't see where you're going. Then the last one, I feel is the most important one. The one that I really learned there. Now, when you're young, you're a bit judgmental. Uh, later, you learn something about God. and uh, You want to please Him, whatever you do, and work for God. The last one is, the Father loves you no matter what you do or your works. You must believe that God loves and cares for you. When you understand that He loves you, it motivates you much more to serve Him. Out of love for Him and not a performance. Many of people want to work so God can love them. You don't have to do that. You've got to the place, you have to understand that God loves you and you have your best interest at heart. He loves you just the way you are. 
He's freely given you all things. You don't have to try to be somebody else. Be yourself. Talk to God openly. He knows your heart anyway. You can talk to Him. Tell Him your feelings. Tell Him who you are. Just love God. That's all He wants. And I want to read you this. I think this is so powerful. It is very important we come to the point where the fact that we are God's beloved children, His favorites, becomes an unconscious faith reality in our lives. This reality should go deeper than our mind and our consciousness. And we should be able to fall fearlessly into it any time. God is good. He has only good things in mind for you. If you ask Him a fish, He won't give you a snake. Some people say that God has no favorites. I'm telling you, God only has favorites. Each one of His children is His favorite children. Consequently, if any son of God can experience a certain blessing, a certain grace, a certain dimension of glory of God, then me and you too can have that. We need to be more John conscious. In the body of Christ, we must be John conscious. John simply knew he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he even had the guts to mention it repeatedly in the Gospels. Why do you think John was the only disciple that stayed close to Jesus until the end? I believe that the fact is strongly connected to his perception of being the favorite. We can have the same attitude as John because there is no rivalry amongst God's favorites. Rivalry and envy only exist among those feeling inferior who believe that God gave them a short end of a stick. In the heart of God, however, everybody has the same place. All are his favorites. Those who are aware of this, if you know this, that you're God's favorite, that he loves you, you will never feel threatened by another son of God. Nor will they feel inferior because somebody has something else more than you have. No, they would rather say, I can have the same as well. I just pull it into my life. Because I'm the Father's favorite. I think this is so amazing, so powerful to realize God loves you. You're his favorite. What he done for others, he will do for you. And I just want to encourage you today, uh, as I come to a sort of a landing here, to encourage you to keep on, not stop serving God. And I, my prayer is that even in these last even myself in this last phase, I will serve God even more than ever before because He loves me and He's got a good plan for me. He's a great and awesome God and He will do abundantly above what I ever believe. Psalm 8 says, What is man that you think of him, God, that you even made him a little lower than Elohim himself? You put all of your works under His power and His authority. And now we're even in a greater position in Christ Jesus. I am seated with Christ in heaven. This, the God, this awesome God lives in me. He works through me. Then Psalm 24 says, Lift up your heads, O your gates. Lift up your everlasting eternal doors. Let the King of glory come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord God, strong and mighty. He is the King of glory. That King of glory lives in me. Do you believe that? That Christ is in me and He works want to work through you, he just says, open up, make open up for me, allow me in, allow me to work through you, and believe that he can do it through you, I want to encourage you, believe God for great things, believe God for awesome things, 
Believe God and keep on continuing. If me and Marty can still be here, it's a miracle. You can be. You can do it. You can go on. Don't let God stop you. Uh, I want to uh, read to you. Do you all know Ephesians 1, verse 17? Can I close with this? Uh, give me a minute. Let me just read this. I read it from the Passion Translation. This is such a powerful scripture. I think that's also what you heard uh, this weekend. And that's what I want to tell you. I want to encourage you just today that if, if God has done it for us, He can do it for you. Mm-hmm. If God has changed our lives, and He can do great things for me and for you. Mm-hmm. Verse 17. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, to know Him through a deep, intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. Build your relationship. Be, have a strong relationship. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, what you think. Flood you with light until the, you experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling. Get the revelation where God has called you. That is, that is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that He finds in us, His holy ones. That call, that inheritance you have. I pray you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made avail- available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of His immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power. What power is working in me that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to a place of highest honor and supreme authority? You seated with him. You've got authority in his name. And now he is exalted above every ruler, every principality, every power, every name you can name. That name is above every name. And he says later that he is in you and he full everything with himself. Jesus is saying, I want to fill you with that fullness of me so I can work through you and reach a world. So I want to close with this. And uh, I want us after this just to, to worship God. And I want you again to ask God to fill you again. Ask God to give you a passion again. I give a fire again. And not give up and be strong and believe Him for impossible things. Believe Him for great things. Look what he's done. Look how great he is in my life and testimony of other people's life. He, he loves you. That's the greatest thing. And he will just want to fill you with himself and use you, but through love. Works through should flow through love. And then uh, just in closing, before we do, I just want to say a few to say this um, for your church, for you, Nick, and for Shanae, and also for the congregation. I wanted to paint you something. But uh, <laughs> I c- couldn't get to it. Maybe I'll do it later and send it to you. Uh, this is just a picture of what I wanted to. So I'll read you the scripture. I'm going to want to paint this for you. My word for you, for the church, is this. It's in Proverbs 20:24 and Isaiah 45:1. It is the Lord who directs your life. For each step you take is ordained by God to bring you closer to your destiny. So much of your life then remains a mystery. Then he says in 45, I believe for for you guys, that is what God says to his anointed, to Nick, 
whose right hand I've grasped to subdue nations before him, as I strip kings of the armor to open doors before him and gates that cannot be closed. I myself will go before you, and I will make the mountains level. I will shatter the bronze doors, cut through the iron bars. And that's my word for you as a congregation. Pray that God will do this. I believe he's going to open the doors for you and break the gates for you. He could do the miracles for you. Okay, so we're just going to sing one last song to worship God. And I ask you, open yourself up for God just while again and let him fill you again. We believe God to touch our lives again. Give us fire for him, passion for him. Of course, he's so awesome. Amen.